Please will you find in your Bibles Micah chapter 5. If you're in Matthew, you may find it easier to turn back rather than to start forwards. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, chapter 5. This is from verse 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Therefore he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labour has given birth, Then the remnant of his brothers shall return to the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall abide, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and this one shall be peace. Let's pray once more. O God of grace, God of love, God of peace, God of mercy, grant to us this day those blessings in our souls, not as passing sentiments, but as those things which are rooted in Christ the Saviour and his great salvation. Show us him, we pray, and grant that we may find all our blessing in him who is the great benefactor. Amen. A carol is simply a song of joy. We sing carols all year. One of the challenges with so-called Christmas carols is that we get so used to singing them that we may even stop thinking about them. Some of them don't contain a great deal of scripture truth. Some of them contain great uh, swathes of biblical reality. Some of them perhaps hint at things that uh, we don't often ponder. One of the things that we often sing and that we'll sing, God willing, in a few minutes is that in Bethlehem, the hopes and fears of all the years were met in that city on a particular night. Now, hopes and fears often hold together. They often rise and fall together. The what-ifs and the what-if-nots. There's a very short distance between soaring up and crashing down. There's nothing so low as a crushed hope. The higher we are raised, the harder we can fall. And so it is that hopes and fears often meet. Anticipations and devastations can seem to be only a step away from one another. Sometimes the stakes are very high when hopes are raised and when fears come in. What will happen next? Will it be something good? Will it be something bad? Will it be joy and delight or will it be fear and horror? 
almost a question. What lies on the other side of the door? What will I see when I open my curtain in the morning? And so often you arrive at a point of crisis, a moment when everything seems to come together and everything seems to hinge upon the outcome of that moment. And we sing that the hopes and fears of all the years met in Bethlehem on a particular night. Now, why in the world was Bethlehem so important on a night some 2,000 and some years ago? Why is that considered, in some respects, a kind of a tipping point? Why do hopes and fears meet in Bethlehem? Micah tells us, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Therefore he shall give them up, until the time that she who is in labour has given birth. Then the remnant of his brothers shall return to the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall abide, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and this one shall be peace. Those are the words that the scribes and the Pharisees in Jerusalem quoted when Herod asked them, where is the Christ to be born? Where is this king of the Jews? But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah. So there are two Bethlehems. This is Bethlehem Ephrathah, Bethlehem Judea. You are not least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. That's why hopes and fears met in Bethlehem because in Bethlehem a ruler would come forth to shepherd the people of God in Bethlehem then met all the hopes and fears concerning the promises of God concerning the presence of the king and concerning the prospect of salvation the promises of God and all the hopes and fears connected with them met in Bethlehem Micah was not the first to make such promises, and neither was he the last. He was the one who spoke clearly about Bethlehem Ephrathah, Bethlehem in Judea, but he is only one in a long line of men who spoke, moved by the Holy Spirit, declaring the purposes of God from the beginning. In fact, you can go all the way back to the early chapters of Genesis, to those words sometimes called the Proto-Evangelium, the first gospel, when God, in the muck and in the mess of the curse that was pronounced upon the, 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 the snake and the man and the woman because of the rebellion against God, said that a seed of a woman would come forth to crush the head of the serpent. That was the first promise that there would be someone who would triumph where Adam had fallen, in whom you would be able to boast more blessings than the first Adam lost. And that promise is the promise that then echoes on through all the pages of the Old Testament. 
Time after time, there are these shadows, these signposts, these declarations, these types they are sometimes called. Sometimes it's, it's something that isn't so explicitly set forth until you see it beautifully bright in the New Testament. Which of us, perhaps reading through Genesis, would have jumped to the conclusion when we heard about a priest called Melchizedek? That that was a type, an image, a shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's what you have from Hebrews. That he was, in the way that he appears on the pages of history, seemingly without father and without mother. A priest of God and greater than Abraham in that Abraham offered sacrifices through him. That that one is pointing forward to another one. To the high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, even Jesus Christ our Saviour. So you have that prospect, you have that uh, shadow, that pointer. But you also have things that are far more explicit and far more direct. You couldn't get much more direct than Micah, could you? When they said, where is the king of the Jews going to be born? The answer was Bethlehem. How do you know? Micah said so. That's where the ruler's going to come from. That's where the shepherd of the sheep will be found. And so it is elsewhere. You have someone like Isaiah talking about the, the child who's going to be born of a virgin. You have the, the king before whom the kings of the world will bow down. Over and over again in these direct and less direct pointers, signposts, indications, patterns, models, you are pointing forward to one who is to come. Always, always the people of God are waiting for a prophet like Moses, but better than Moses. A priest like Melchizedek, but greater than Melchizedek. A king like David, but far greater than David himself. And the hopes and the fears concerning the promises of God. Will he come? Is he coming? Where is he? Met in Bethlehem on that night. Hopes and fears concerning now specifically the presence of that king. Because Micah had promised that one should come forth who was going to be a ruler in Israel. He was going to come forth to God. He was to be God's ruler, God's king over his beloved people. This one who was to be a ruler in Israel, his goings forth were from of old, from everlasting. He is a king who in some senses is eternal. He has no beginning. Therefore, God shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor has given birth. Then the remnant of his brothers shall return to the children of Israel and he shall stand and feed his flock. Here is the kingly image. The king was a shepherd. It's a royal picture. The king with his rod and his staff watching over his flock and he is going to stand and he is going to feed those people in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And as a consequence of who the king is and how the king rules and cares, they shall abide, because he shall be great to the ends of the earth. This is the one who shall be peace. A rule is coming, 
of righteousness and peace. And that rule must be established by the ruler. The king must come to establish the kingdom. There must be a root of Jesse. There must be a king of David's line. Do you not love the language that the, uh, the, 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 the wise men use of the king of the Jews in Matthew chapter 2? Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Now, we've had a lot of royal successions over the course of the last year or so, and we've got a coronation to come. We've got a, a king who's been identified as king, but has yet to be crowned as a king. And then we've got a prince, and then we've got some other princes. But they're not born kings. They're born princes, and then they're made kings. They're made kings when someone else dies and when they are uh, accede to their place and when they're eventually crowned. But these wise men wanted to know, where was the man born king? Who has come as king? Who has come into this world already constituted God's appointed ruler? He must have been from of old. He must have been from everlasting. And now he has come. And having come, he is king. He is the one who reigns forever. Again, this was part of that wonderful prophecy that the angel spoke to Mary when he talked to her about the baby who was going to be born of her womb. Call his name Jesus, said Gabriel. Why? He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Herod had hopes and fears, not like those of the men who believed. Herod hoped that he would be the king of the Jews. It's one of the reasons why he was so angry. Herod feared that a king of the Jews had come who might usurp his throne. That's why he lied to those men who'd come from the east and told them that he wanted to worship him also. But there were people in Israel who were waiting for consolation. There were people who were waiting for a king. Now, some of them were waiting for the wrong kind of king. Some of them were looking for a king like Herod, but better than Herod, a Jewish king who would throw out the Romans. And some of them were waiting for the salvation of God, for the redemption that the Lord had promised. And it was bound up in the ruler of David's line, bound up in the one who was born king. And he had to be born in Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Bethlehem, Judea, born of the line of David, born a king. And in that sense, hopes and fears met in Bethlehem. Also, the prospect of salvation. Now, again, do you notice the conversation that took place recorded for us in Matthew chapter 2? These wise men, these magi, came from the east and they asked 
Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Herod the king heard this and was troubled and all Jerusalem with him because when a king like Herod is troubled, everybody else gets troubled as well. You imagine, can't you? When Putin's in a bad mood, the Kremlin trembles. And Herod gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together and he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Now, he wasn't saying not the king of the Jews. He was acknowledging that the king of the Jews was the Christ, that is, the Messiah, God's servant who was to come to deliver his people, to save them from their sins. That's why when Gabriel speaks to Mary, he identifies the baby who is to be born as needing the name Jesus. And when the same angel makes known to Joseph that he is not to put his wife away from him, she has not been in any way unfaithful, but rather the Holy Spirit has been at work in her humanity so that that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. They were waiting for Emmanuel. Not many of them really understood that. They were waiting, so many of them, for, for a mere human being. But they had one who was God with us. The God-man. Jesus, who was the Christ. Matthew knows. It's why Matthew frames these words like this. It's how Matthew understands the language of Micah. We're not waiting for a national hero. We're not waiting for a Saint George to slay the dragon. We're not waiting for a new David to throw Caesar out of Judea. We're waiting for a king who saves, for a Christ who comes to deliver us from sin, from death, and from hell. We're waiting for the king of David's line who will crush the head of the serpent and who will deliver us from our bondage to death and to the grave. And it all reaches a climax in Bethlehem Ephrathah, in the city of David, as Joseph and Mary arrive on the day which they do for the census which Caesar Augustus has called, which happened when Quirinius was governing Syria. And so the hopes and fears of all the years met in, Jer in Bethlehem. Maybe they didn't doubt that so many of them didn't know. And those who did know didn't necessarily know when there had been silence from the prophets for centuries God had not spoken except through the word written until Gabriel until Zechariah until Elizabeth began to make known again the things that were coming to pass the hopes and fears of all the years before the coming of Jesus Christ Again, not just Micah, but the longing of God's people 
for the seed of the woman to crush the head of the serpent. You understand, don't you, that every Israelite woman since Eve, every woman in that line of promise, every woman who was part of the the family of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, when she fell pregnant, her prayer was, could this be Messiah? And it wasn't. And it wasn't. And it wasn't. And it wasn't. And perhaps as time went on, some began to doubt and some began to fear. And some continued to wait for the consolation of Israel. Will he now come? Here is the promised Messiah. The hopes and fears of all the years met in Bethlehem then on that occasion. For those who were faithful, for the shepherds who were out watching their flocks in the fields, for those who were in Jerusalem, like Simeon and Anna, who were looking for what God had promised, for whom it was the moment of abiding joy. Have you noticed how Luke weaves that in to the narrative of the coming of Jesus Christ. Let me just give you a selection of verses from Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2. Here's verse 42 of chapter 1. Elizabeth spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfilment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Here's verse 46. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my saviour. She finishes her song. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his seed forever. You can go on to the prophecy of Zacharias. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before us, before him all the days of our life. And then speaking to his own son, you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. Why? You will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Do you hear Micah's words ringing through Zacharias's? Hear the words of the other prophets? 
Here is the son of righteousness who is risen now with healing in his wings. Chapter 2 and verse 10. The angel says to the shepherds, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The shepherds went and found the baby lying in the manger, and they returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Verse 29, Simeon, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And then Anna, aged Anna, who coming in that instant, seeing the Christ, gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. The hopes and fears of all the years have met in Bethlehem. Our hopes have been realised. Our fears have been assuaged. My friends, it has been such ever since. We still look back to where God came into the world, the Son of God, the Son of Man, taking our nature. That's the point at which so many of those promises bloomed in history, when God's king was born to save and to rule the people whom God had given him. God's salvation comes into the world in the person of his son. He is the one who will live the life we need He is the one who will die the death upon which we depend. He is the one who will reveal the God who saves. He is the one who will render himself a sacrifice to make atonement for our transgressions. He is the one who continues to speak to you on God's behalf. He is the one who has ascended up into heaven to sit now at the right hand of the majesty on high. And if you want your hopes of heaven realised, and if you want your fears of hell abolished, then you will need to go to Bethlehem. And you will need to trace the life of that child born through. Don't stay in Bethlehem. If you stay in Bethlehem, you are damned. You need to follow him to Calvary, that you may be saved, that you may find in that child who lived a life of perfect obedience and died the sacrificial death of God's appointed lamb, the saviour of sinners. So do you find him such now? Have you come with hopes and fears today? They're very close to each other, aren't they? What next? What's around the corner? What's behind the door? What will I see when I sweep back the curtain? Maybe you have hopes and fears for today. 
maybe hopes and fears for tomorrow, for this week, for the new year. What if? Or what if not? And sometimes the what ifs are the positives and sometimes the what if nots are the positives. The things you want and the things you don't want. And the things that you might have and the things that you might lack. The tragedy is that so often our hopes and fears are petty things. Shallow things. Low things. Pointless things. Empty things. Many of your hopes could be realised and you'd be no happier than you are sitting here this morning. And many of your fears might be swept away and you just find some new ones. Some people are forever hoping and always being disappointed. Some people are always fearing and when their fears are taken away they just find something else to be afraid about. Do you have any hopes that once fixed and sure will never fail you? Are the great fears of frail and feeble creatures like us in any way taken away? Do you have any hope of heaven? Do you have any fear of hell? My friends, whatever else you hope for, whatever else you're afraid about, Heaven and hell are at stake. Eternal life and eternal death. Salvation and damnation. And all those hopes and fears meet not so much in a place as rest upon a person. Can I be saved from my sins? Can I have an everlasting salvation? Can I be delivered from the hell that I deserve? Can I obtain the heaven that only God can give? My friends, of all the things that you ought to hope about and of all the things that you ought to fear over, it is your relationship to God is the heaven he gives or the hell with which he punishes the salvation that he grants to all who call upon his name or the damnation that comes to those who will not trust in him and you need to turn to the Christ of Bethlehem you need to turn to the Jesus who came into the world to save his people from their sins if you're a Christian Hope blossoms and fears subside. This world is full of anxiety. I'm surprised that hasn't been the year of the word. Year of the word? Word of the year. That's what I meant. Word of the year. Anxiety. I'm so anxious. I'm so troubled. I'm so afraid. I'm freaking out. I don't know what's going to come. I'm afraid to walk out my front door. My friend, the hopes and the fears of all the years met in Bethlehem when Jesus Christ was born. And there, hope was established. And there, fear was put away. If you want a hope 
that will carry you not just through the next few days, not even through the next year, but through this life and into the life which is to come. A hope which swallows up all ungodly fears and leaves you fearing him who is the true and living God and living before him and walking in his ways. Then you need to come to the one of whom Micah spoke. Out of Bethlehem came forth one to God to be a ruler in Israel. His goings forth were from of old, from everlasting. Therefore he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labour has given birth. Then the remnant of his brothers shall return to the children of Israel. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall abide. That's what you need, is it not? To abide. To stand fast. To hold fast. To keep on. And your confidence that he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And this one shall be our peace. Amen.